0: Hello, hello, hello. We are on. Hi everybody, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Podium Pioneers panel. We are here to talk to three people who helped form the foundation of this sport and whose accomplishments have continued on through the years, right through today. I wanted to thank the BAA for having us, especially Suzanne Walmsley and Katie Hawks. And also Adrienne Benton for her help. I'm Sheree Louise Turner. I'm the host and producer of Women's Running Stories. It's a podcast
1: about women telling their stories about running. And I am here with my co host Yep, I'm Lisa, and this is Julie Sapper. We are running coaches with Run Farther and Faster. We have been coaching together for 14 years. We coach runners all over the world. And um, we also have a very... uh, Boston Marathon is very near and dear to our hearts. We have a combined 31 finishes here at Boston. So... So uh, in 2019, we started a podcast, uh, the Run Farther and Faster podcast that was focused on the Boston Marathon and on highlighting um, experts and champions and um, helping people train for the Boston Marathon. So we are so delighted to be here today with three women who paved the road for us to be here today. So now
2: we'd like to introduce these incredible women who are joining us today. These are our podium pioneers. I will start with introducing Marilyn Bevins. Marilyn, Marilyn is the first African American woman to break three hours in the marathon. She did so at the Boston Marathon in 1975 she then went on in 1977 to become the first african-american woman to podium at the boston marathon where she placed second she then achieved her lifetime pr at the boston marathon in a time of 249 in 1979 Among Marilyn's many honors, just yesterday, Marilyn was inducted into the Springfield College Hall of Fame, Athletic Hall of Fame. She is also featured in the documentary, Breaking Three Hours. And four women who are also featured in the documentary will be running in Marilyn's honor tomorrow at the Boston Marathon. (laughs) Lastly, Marilyn is celebrating her 10-year induction into the National Black Marathoners Hall
0: of Fame. Welcome, Marilyn. And I get to introduce Jacqueline Hanson. 50 years ago, Jacqueline won the Boston Marathon. She then went on to set the world record in the marathon a couple of times. She was the first woman to run under 240. And she is also an advocate for women's distance running. As the president of the international runners community, she helped lobby for distance running in the Olympics, which of course included us getting the women's marathon in the Olympics in 1984. Thank you, Jacqueline.
1: And I have the honor of introducing Patty Catalano Dillon, who is here. Patty, we love Patty's story because Patty didn't come into running the traditional route. Patty started running at 23 to get healthy and stop. She had to stop smoking. So <laughs> a smoker, um, not a traditional background to running. So we love that about her. And that, just less than two years later, she was breaking two hours and 30 minutes in the marathon. Patty is a three-time a three-time runner-up here at the Boston Marathon. She's been a runner-up at the New York City Marathon. She has won countless marathons and she is the first Native American woman to accomplish these feats. And she (laughs) is the head coach of the Wings of America Elite Running Team for Native American runners. So welcome, Patty.
0: All right, now let's hear from these women. So we've all heard that they've had amazing accomplishments here at the Boston Marathon. Marilyn breaking three hours, Marilyn podium, Marilyn having a podium finish and also having your PR here. Uh, Jacqueline, you won here, Patty, you podiumed three times. So starting with Marilyn, can you please share one of your most memorable experiences from here at the Boston Marathon?
3: Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I like that question. My most, really after, you when you were starting out way back in the 70s, so yeah, I'm an old person. You <laughs> Boston was everything. Everybody was trying to go to Boston. And I was running, and I give a lot of credit to the Baltimore Roadrunners to helped me get, me get me started after I got out of graduate school and went back home. And they really started me on my way. And we always were training. And I remember the first time I ran with them, they said, Merle, we're going out for a nice, easy 20 miles. And I went, okay. Because I've never been that fast, but at least I could run distance. And because of them, I remember the first time we came to Boston, they charted a plane. And the Baltimore Roadrunners came up on a plane. And I ran the Boston Marathon for the first time. And I'm a tough little lady. I'm from Baltimore City. I coach. 18 years in Baltimore City, and 13 in Baltimore County, and I retired after 31 years of teaching, because if I didn't, I was going to take out somebody's child. They're going to take out me. (laughs) Enough is enough. I'm still coaching high school cross country and track, which I love to death, because I can come in late and leave, you know, so that works out. Saying that, when I got to my first Boston Marathon, and I had trained, and I ran pretty good, And I'm about to finish the race. And this black lady is not much of a crybaby, trust me. But I started crying. And tears were coming down my eyes. And I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. And then finally part of me, like you see the comics on TV with the devil on one side and the angel on the other. And the the angel said, come on, Marilyn, you got to keep running. The devil said, keep on crying. You can't breathe. Keep on crying. Keep on crying. (laughs) Finally, I realized I could not run and cry at the same time. So I stopped crying and kept running so I could finish the Boston Marathon, which I was. it was a great honor. It was great to be up there with the Baltimore road Roadrunners. It was a great first experience. And I will not give you the story of my life about the lack of speed that I do have in these very skinny legs. Saying that, I realized soon, very soon that marathoning and distant racing was more my speed than anything else. So I'm honored to be here, and thank you.
1: I think we can all relate and for those are first time marathoners those tears coming when you get toward the finish line of the boston marathon jackie 50 years ago you won here today at this race what is your lasting memory from that day
4: oh my goodness um, it changed my life i mean everybody was surprised i knew nobody and nobody knew me and i i, I was just a mediocre miler from los angeles who had stumbled into the marathon in december and a friend who went to Yale said, "You know, they just started letting women run the Boston Marathon officially this year. You should go." So after I said, "What's in Boston?" then I got an education, <laughs> and I actually trained for it. I hadn't trained for my first one, but I had won my first one. He said, "You should go to Boston." I came to Boston. Um, I I don't. It was a heat wave, so I got lucky because I'm from California. So everybody else is complaining about the heat, and I'm going, what heat? And then they're complaining about the hills, and I had to ask, kind of like Joni did, when, where are the hills? Where is Heartbreak Hill? And it's like, are you crazy? We just passed them. So so I come from California, we run hills, we run in heat, I got lucky. I won. (laughs) And I, I I was as surprised as everyone else. (laughs) And it changed my life. I have to tell you, a Boston medal is worth an Olympic medal. All of a sudden, I'm getting invitations to go races. They wanted to pay me to go to a race. I got airline tickets. You know, it was a whole new thing. So I guess I wasn't a miler. I was a marathoner. But my coach... um, you know, he, he put me back both feet on the ground when I got home. I just did my mile workouts like everybody else. But sometimes when we actually started to get serious about the marathon, he just gave me three times as much as everybody else. So um, that, that day changed my life forevermore.
2: And Patty. Patty, as we mentioned earlier, your trajectory to the Boston Marathon is so unique. So, once you got there, what was your most memorable moment at the Boston Marathon? Your first
5: time. That I finished. <laughs> <laughs> My first time running Boston, I didn't know, I'm a Quincy girl and Quincy in Boston, you really didn't venture into Boston because what's in Boston, it's all here in Quincy. You don't have to go there. And I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to quit smoking. I wanted to change my life because I was really unhappy with the whole situation, what I was in. And I thought, you know, I'll try this thing called jogging and because you can burn like 700 calories in an hour. And I thought, you know, okay, do the math. By the end of the week, I'll lose 21 pounds. No, really, I really believed it. Because the first time I ran, I lost three. It was water weight. I didn't know that. I fell into a group, a good running group of guys. Go figure, right? Um, I had only been running, you know, like a couple of weeks or something. Because the first time I ran, I had to take three weeks off because I was so sore. You know this walk? I did that. And, but I was so happy. I was so happy the way I felt the first time I ran, I ran an hour around the Quincy City L- Cemetery and I did seven miles. Who knew, right? I didn't find out until later. But I was so sore, but I was so happy, so happy. I went into the locker room at the Y and I couldn't believe that the women at the, at the key towel exchange said, okay, here you go. <laughs> and they just looked at me and I thought, wow, what's the matter? I was the only one in the locker room and I looked in the mirror. I was completely white, red around the eyes with black rings under them. And I thought, how could I look so bad and feel so good? Look so bad and feel so good. It was real. And I went into the shower. I was the only one in there and I weighed myself, you know, that little medical thing. And I'm hitting the the thing, you know, the metal thing. One pound, two pounds, three pounds. (gasps) So I go into the sh- I went into the shower and I feel, you know, turn the shower. And as soon as the water hit my head, I thought, wow, this is so good. Now, I grew up on the beach in Quincy and house next. I was always in the water. But this particular time, this particular day, when the water hit me, it felt so good. Something like I never had before. And I... I cried. I'm not a crying person. And I, I, I say, and I tell the story at times, it wasn't so much like a boohoo cry. I wept. I wept. I never had this feeling before. Never. And I thought,
6: oh,
5: this is so good. And if I have to do this to get that, this is what I'm going to do. Fast forward a couple weeks later, well, really almost a month later, the Boston Marathon happened. It was 1976, and I fell into this group of guys, and I'm listening to them talk, oh, the Boston Marathon, and I had no idea what the Boston Marathon was. And they were regaling so much that I could could only keep up with them for for a mile, from the Quincy Library to the Quincy Stadium. And I'm listening to the stories, and I said, I blurted out, hey, I'm going to do that. And they looked at me, Jake Mahoney, Milton Caught, looks at me and says, ha, you're gonna do this. I said, oh yeah, well, you know, you have to qualify. I have to run to prove that I can run. I don't understand. And he said, oh no, 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 but, but it's okay. You have three and a half hours to do it. We have to do it under three. And I looked at him and I said, I can do that. And he said, well, you know, we're all going to go to Newport, Rhode Island. We're going to do this marathon. It was only five, six months later. And I said, I'm going to do that. Um, h- how, how far is a marathon? <laughs> I had no idea. It was 26.2 miles, he said. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And after they, they went along their way, I thought, oh my gosh, what did I do? Once again, Patty chews off more than she can chew. And so the training to get there... The best cigarette, what I can come with, I I know I I shouldn't promote this, but the best tasting cigarette I ever had was after a run. And that was the most challenging thing that I had to do, was quit smoking so that I could do better in the Boston Marathon. (laughs) It would take me two years. My greatest memory of Boston was that the fact that I could get in it, and I ran it, and I got second to Joni. Joni set a new course, not, she set a new American record that day. She set a new American record that day. She did 235 and I did a 238. I was second. And no, I didn't have a cigarette afterwards. However, it was the best feeling that I ever had that not only did I finish a marathon, I started a marathon and I did Boston, but you know, they give out little medals for the top 100 and that's what I have. Um, Of all the trophies that I have received, most of them I've given away or they've been lost here or there. But for all of these years, almost 50 years, that's what I have. I have my one little medal, BAA Top 100. Um, Thank you.
2: (laughs) Amazing. So now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the race. Okay. So... All of you have had, obviously, tremendous success on the Boston course. And you have a captive audience here because so many folks will be running tomorrow. So first, I want to ask you, Marilyn, what strategies did you employ at the Boston Marathon that made you so successful and ultimately achieve your lifetime PR at Boston?
3: For my my running, I always knew you got to keep your head. When that gun goes off, you have people look like, Oh, they're not running that fast. I'm going to run with them. And you find out they're running very fast, and you're slowing down very fast. Saying that, it's important that you keep your head. If you have a table, a timetable that you need to keep, you need to stick to that, unless it's something that was out of your reach in the first place. Just don't go out there with people thinking, I can stay with so-and-so or this one, or they don't look that fast. Your top athletes, normally they, don't, they look really smooth. It looks like it's not bothering them, but it'll bother you. So you gotta think about your pace, got your little piece of paper on your hands, however you do it, if they still do that, to see your pace and keep to your pace. Now, when you're 20 miles, you can start picking up vine or whatever, but stick to your pace, have self-control, make sure you drink on a regular basis, not let anybody deter you from your task. One time I was running Boston, and I guess because there's a few black females doing it, this one black photographer got in front of me running backwards taking pictures of my legs. Now, if you look at these goddamn legs right here, you know darn well nobody need to take any pictures of them. <laughs> Plus, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm trying to run. you running backwards in my way. And I, I didn't say anything because you don't want to say something smart. Then say, say, Marilyn Bevan said this. You got to watch what you say. They changed around. And also, I knew soon the lady was going to give up and go away, which he did do. So you just have to have patience. You try going out with some of those top people, I can hang with him, sure, for a mile, two, three, and then you're you're walking away and they're they're starting to pick it up. So please, know your pace, right on your hand, however you do it now, but be in control yourself. Try to have some running buddies or somebody your same speed to stay together. But trying to do what so-and-so does will kill you every time. And make sure you stay hydrated. Drink before, drink during. That's very important. Don't be macho. Macho can get people killed. And I've seen people pass out at the finish line, and that was it. They didn't get back up. you got to be realistic. Eat right, drink right, sleep like, and have self-control.
1: Spoken like a true coach, for sure. (laughs) Any coach will tell you. (laughs) Go out at your pa- at your pace. Don't go out too fast, and stay on top of your nutrition and hydration. Jackie, what what's your advice for this course? Oh, obviously very, had success here.
4: Very 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 similar. Yeah, I've run a few times here, um, and my runner, I, I had a high school runner, a John, who can verify that I always told tell my runners to break the break it up in four parts, like a miler, right? It's only four 10ks back to back. That's all. So, lap number one, you're getting out of the pack, getting out of traffic and getting your position and you find your pace. Don't go out too fast. Lap two is cruise control. Hang on to that pace. Don't be greedy. You, you're not even halfway yet. So, don't, don't accelerate yet. Cruise control. Lap three, your body naturally wants to slow down. You're past the halfway mark. And you need to make more effort just to say the same, so you increase your effort just to say the same. Lap four, you give it all you got. You know, you want to wake up in the morning and not have regrets. And oh, could I have sped up? Could I have passed that person? You know when you let con- you lost contact. You know when you let go. You know when you're psyching yourself out in your head like. Oh, I don't feel so good or, oh, I can't keep up with that person or whatever it is. You, only you know. And as I told another runner in here, I coach his coach, Steve, reminded me that the best advice I gave him was to crest that hill. So just because you get to the top of the hill, don't slow down. You crest that hill and keep that momentum going. All righty? Works for me. <laughs> Very good advice. I do love that we have
0: three coaches. Well, we have a lot of coaches here on the panel. So, Patty, the same question on to you. What, what sort of advice or I wish I heard this
5: earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I Really, I, you know, Dudley do like, right life, right? No, I wasn't there. And with, with Jackie breaking it up, you know, I always ran right to the wall. And it just took me the longest time not to hit my head. And so I really, it's all sound and good advice. But when you get out there, your adrenaline's flowing, you're enthusiastic, you're nervous, and you're like, what the heck? And you don't know where you are. And you're like, oh, just relax. I can only tell you, take a breath and relax. Go with the flow. The race doesn't begin until Cleveland Circle. And we all know what happened at Cleveland Circle. You take that left hand turn at Cleveland Circle and you just fly to the finish. That's all it is. Just fly to the finish. It's only a 5K. So the first, what, 23 miles? Have a great time. Relax. Go with the flow. Let your body calm down. Let your mind catch up to your body. Just be calm. Just be nice. Just be nice because you are, you're gonna do great. You're gonna do great. I'm not kidding you. And then when you take the left hand turn, it's all smooth sailing to the finish. I've done it three times. Well, I've done it four or five times. I've done many times practicing though, I'll tell you that. But it's all sound advice, what they give you. I wish I knew that earlier because (laughs) I didn't do that.
2: (laughs) Thank you. And Jackie wanted to add one more thought.
4: You know, I, I didn't just coach runners that were experienced runners. Um, For seven years, I coached Team Diabetes Charity Group. And I had to get, the challenge was, I had to get them from zero to 26 in exactly six months. And I'm not sure, Allison, what was the best advice I ever gave you, but I'm guessing a lot of times I had to advise them the one group would be finishing and they're like at their, on their 18 miler on Sunday morning and one group would be starting and they're doing their 3 miles and they're looking at the 18 milers going she's going to make me run 18 miles one day and i think i told you all that you will get there if you follow the program and you just consistency is your only secret is there anything else you would add she She's right. We, I, I didn't have a website. We didn't even have email, much less text. They got their workout for the week in the mail, every week. Thank you, Allison. So, speaking
1: of how things have changed, we want to hear how what you've done, kind of post Boston. So, Marilyn, you were the first American-born African-American woman to break three hours, which really paved the way for many women after you. Um, there is a, now a whole list. And we highly recommend watching the documentary, Breaking Three Hours, which highlights a long list of women who have done this. When that happened, when you did that, did you realize what you were doing and kind of the path that you were paving?
3: (laughs) No. (laughs) I did not know that I was the first to break three hours for African-American women until Tony Reid... Invited me. I was getting an award for the Black Marathon Association. I really didn't know why I was getting this award. It took me a long time to realize, oh, I was the first to break three hours. And my first reaction was, are you sure? I don't want some other woman coming five years later at my front door and to lay me out saying that I lied. And I'm from Baltimore City. You got to think ahead. So it took me a while to realize, nobody's coming up. I think I really did it. And that's all I can say about that.
1: <laughs>
2: that's so funny, Jacqu- Jackie, you won Boston and then you did the go big or go home. You then became president of the International Runners Committee and was a huge influence in opening up women's distance events in the Olympics
4: how did boston propel you to that role well she's a hard act to follow you know (laughs) um i was following the lead of many women before me somebody opened that door for me at boston somebody opened that door for me back in culver city where i ran my first marathon actually back when i was a senior in high school somebody opened that door for me to even go to track I failed at every sport, and that's why I signed up for track. (laughs) And so I learned, you ask why, or more importantly, why not? Um, I have to tell you that whole activism chapter of my life was really started selfishly, because I was the world record holder from 74 to 77 with no Olympics to go to. And I'd been to miler where you can go to Olympic trials. So I learned to ask, why not? And maybe I could go to Montreal in 76. Reporters were saying you must be the favorite for Montreal. And I go, well, well, yeah, except they don't have our event. And people were surprised. I still bump into people today who are surprised that 1984 was the first Olympic marathon. A lot of people don't know that. I am all these years later, we all know it, but all these years later, you can all assume you can run the five, you can run the 10, you can run the marathon. And some of them have no idea what a battle it was in the seventies. And actually that's kind of a good thing because I, and I learned, I'm stealing this line from Donna Lapiano of the Women's Sports Foundation. She came to talk to my school and they too, you know, like she said, how many of you know what title IX is? And most of them didn't. And she said, that's okay. It's kind of nice that you take it for granted you have equal rights. That's kind of a good thing. But as I tell youngsters all the time, respect your past and the people who made those opportunities. Think and reflect on your future. Have goals. Be driven. And try to leave this world in a better place than you found it and live in the present. So think past, future, and present. Live in the present and make the most of your God-given rights and your talent, and don't waste it. You know, make the most of every opportunity. Thank
0: you. And sort of along these same lines, Patty, you as a three-time runner-up here, um, how did that impact your life and also the work that you do with the Wings of America Elite Team?
5: Well, thankfully, we have the Olympics in 1984. We have the Women's Marathon. Thank you, Jackie. (laughs) I I didn't aspire to be any kind of um, an athlete or, you know, runner or Olympian or world record holder, American record holder. I had nothing at all. My only ambition, I didn't even have an ambition. I think it was, I just kind of wanted to run the Boston Marathon and do the steps that you had to do to get here. And I did. And it took me three years to get here. 76, I started running. I qualified. I didn't make it until 79 because I didn't run in the winter time. You know, it was snowing out. It was wet. And I wasn't going to do that. However, I did make it. And I only wanted to finish, and I ended up being second, and it was like, oh, okay. Really, I had no dreams, whatever, at all. And then I crossed the finish line, I got my little medal, and I thought, oh, wow, now what? I don't know. Um, But it does, like Jackie has mentioned, that the Boston Marathon does open doors for you. You get invited to races, da-da-da-da-da-da. But for me, for a person who didn't have a dream of an iota, it opened up this and this, and I wanted more. And, what, um, <laughs> and I got more, not so much that I ran faster and did world records, it wasn't about that at all. It was about me giving myself a chance to try. And I had to break it down, try what? To be the best that I could be at something and don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> okay. Very well said. Thank you, that's timeless I advice. can leave you with what I wanna tell you. I didn't start dreaming until later. After Boston, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can win the thing, you know? That didn't happen. Oh, well. And you move on to other things. And all the dreams that I had, the little ones, the big ones, I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have kids. And that didn't happen until I was in my 40s. So I had a long time to go. Of all the dreams that I wanted, of all the dreams I dreamt, I'm going to leave you with dream bigger. Bigger.
1: We cannot imagine a better way to close out our questions uh, for these amazing women who, again, we thank for paving the way for so many of us. And we have about five minutes for any audience questions. So I don't know if we have a mic in, do we have a mic for the, we have a mic for the audience? Any questions for these wonderful ladies? Anyone? Don't be shy. Right here, yep. Hi, good afternoon, ladies. Thank you for being
2: here. What's one piece of advice or words of wisdom you would have for female athletes today as they juggle the multiple roles, as you may have, motherhood, athlete, working professional? What words of advice and wisdom would you give them in still continuing to pursue those athletic dreams?
1: Jackie, do you want to start? Patty
4: Sh- or me? Yeah, Jack, sure me okay yeah i 'm all of those um, i I started to learn to prioritize my time in college. Um, I paid my own way through college. I had my own housing and um, so I had a job. The job made everything else possible, so had the job had to keep my grades up to stay eligible, so I could run and then I had my coach my coach was The epitome of disciplinarian, like a drill sergeant. So we had, um, his name was Laszlo Tabori. He was a Hungarian, Olympian, army drill sergeant, (laughs) like that. Anyway, but taskmaster. So I had morning workouts, I had evening workouts, and I either went before or after work, before or after school. I gave up television. So I learned that discipline. I I still don't have television. It's like a little family joke. But I gave up a lot, you know, and I just learned to prioritize. My everyday revolved around my running, and then everything else, you know, was in place. That brought me into, you know, adult life when I have a child. I have marriage and a child and a job and still running. We didn't have the luxury of, I was before, I think we were all before contracts, stipends, prize money for sure. So the running, and I'm not sure I would have wanted my paycheck to depend on my performance. I was running for fun and for goals, very goal-oriented. So I, I just think it's about prioritizing your time. Uh, don't, don't make any of your family suffer for, you know, for your, I mean, my child doesn't like running, but um, <laughs> I'll admit that right up front. But he stayed athletic and fit and everything else, but he had had enough running and even though I tried my hardest not to like hang those trophies or medals or you know if both mom and dad run that's not it wasn't his thing but um just yeah I think prioritizing and being consistent and being dedicated
1: It's great advice and um uh, Patty, you did have a contract, correct? Like, and I, I know I've heard I you was talk the about the, the, I was pressure, the, the pressure of um, having a contract. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about the pressure of uh, it having changed a changed the
5: game. It really did. Um, Jackie worked for getting uh, the Olympics, the marathon in the Olympics. And I was like, okay, I went to Hawaii and I won the Honolulu Marathon. And afterwards they, you know, shoe company took us all on to Maui, you know? And I happened to see the bill and I was appalled. I lived with four guys, (laughs) shared bathroom, (laughs) had to walk through two bedrooms to get to the bathroom. Okay. But it was great because we all ran. We all did the life. It was great. I saw the bill and I thought, you know, I could really live three months off that bill. And it started, it planted a seed that I really loved to run. I worked, you know, I worked full time. And I thought, well, how come I can't make a living doing what I love to do? And so it started and there was started to be talk amongst all the athletes. There was money, there was stipends, there was a pre diem. And I learned that if I went five days before the race, did the race and stayed five days after the race, I would get pre diem, 10 days. (laughs) So I learned and so that's what I did, go to race to race. And it is. It changes the ball game when you sign a contract. There's no, like, fun run. It's like if you're sick, you got to run. You have X amount of races, and it's a job. And it was a great job, and I loved it. And I could do it again. Fabulous. <laughs> and Marilyn, yeah.
2: what is your advice Thank with you. respect to juggling all of the balls in your life and how to manage it all?
3: I know I'm going to come with left field with this one. God first, family second, running third. When I started running, late, a couple of years later, they started having the running boom. And everybody was out running. And some people doing all this mileage in the morning or in the evening. They had wives or husbands at home. They're kind of forgetting them so they can run. I'm a single lady, never married. But I, I feel sorry for these people that felt that that running was more important than their husband and wife. And it wasn't. And I'm quite sure later in life they found that out. That's, that's the first thing. While I'm up here, I'm also going to say this because I like to throw this out every time I do these type things. Ladies and gentlemen, running can help you stay in good shape. I've been to the doctors recently. Marilyn, you're doing fine. Your knees are fine. All of this. But make sure you still go to the doctors once a year. No, running cannot take the place of your medications. I've had people not take their medications And then, uh, remember Jim Fix, you know, he had the heart trouble, didn't take medication, dropped dead on the run. For a long time, I would not take medication. Finally, my doctor said, you don't take after your mother, you take after your father. My father had high blood pressure, he became blind because of glaucoma. He had a whole, a a lot of things wrong with my poor dad. When they told me I had glaucoma, I asked for the drops real fast, because I know that's the only way to save your eyes. But mom lived in 93, dad died in 77 because mom took everything she needed to take. So right now, I'm taking two medications, high blood pressure and cholesterol, and I still run. But as you get older and your background, black, white, or whatever the background, you're going to have some issues. Take your medications. Go to the doctors. Gentlemen, I have a running buddy. And this is what he told me. I said, why don't men want to come out here and run, exercise? Why don't he take their medication? He said, they're not going to do it. Let a man know he can't have sex. Be You'd be surprised how fast he can take that medication. <laughs> please. <laughs> True story. Take it again. Sorry, keep your family, keep God first, family second. And please, this is not God. Take your medications Do what you need to do.
0: Thank you so much. So this wraps up this portion of our panel discussion. I want to thank these three women for everything, for being here and everything you've done. But don't leave. We have a special presentation. I want you to give these women their applause, all three of them. Thank you so much. And I'm going to hand the mic over to Adrian Benton, wherever she is. Right here. Oh, there you are. Sorry. <laughs> right this is BAA board member Adrian Benton, and she has a special presentation for Marilyn. And we're going to hand it Hello. over
7: to you guys. So um, you all may not know this, but last evening, Marilyn Bevins was inducted into the Springfield College Athletic Hall of Fame. And also, yesterday was Marilyn Bevin's day in the city of Springfield, Massachusetts. So I'm gonna call up, so I'm gonna call up my fellow board member, Keith McDermott. And uh, Keith is also vice chair of our board and a graduate of Springfield College. So he's gonna present Marilyn with the proclamation. Oh,
8: thank you. you thank you. Um, well, first of all, I, I learned so much in this uh, Conversation here, and um, first of all, let me just give uh, Adrian Benton a hand for uh, engineering this. Uh, Thank you, Adrian. And she's also a trailblazer. She's the first African American woman on the board of the BAA. So she is a trailblazer, like Marilyn. Now, Marilyn, I ran track at Springfield College. I met my wife of. 1982, 41 years ago, she's sitting over there, and she also ran track. And when we got to um, Springfield, it was the norm to have a women's team. So I wanted to find out what was it like for you not having a track team there? I know Vern Cox, and you can just answer real quick, but you really made a difference for her. There's a law
3: called Title IX. I was before Title IX, like so many people in my age bracket. Even at Morgan State University, at that point, our guys had won 36 straight football games. There was a men's track team. There was no track team for girls. We had basketball, volleyball, field hockey. I played field hockey because you get to run up and down with the stick. But there was no track team. When I left Morgan, uh, the gentleman from Springfield College was our instructor at the time, and he invited I kind of encouraged myself, one of my girlfriends from college, to go up there. Well, she met her husband at Springfield, and I finally got to run regularly. There was a gentleman there by the name, a coach at Springfield College, where we went for our master's work, who, when I said they had track, I said, well, I'm going to go out and see if I can run with the team. He looks at me and says, would you like to run? I said, yes. He says, well, this is the first day of practice. They have a nice, easy three miles. And when we got back, they said, how'd she do? They said, she did fine. Now, as a graduate student, I guess things are a little different now. I could not run, but I could train with the team. And because of Coach Cox, I got to start training regularly with some type of support. Boston and Massachusetts area, even back then, was a hotbed of road racing and uh, the Boston Marathon. Even then, we're talking about 50 years ago. So saying that, that's where I got my start for road racing. I went back to finish my thesis, and I would... Taken a couple of road races, and then, ladies, if you weren't the first woman, you got nada. Nothing. I mean, we came. A, we actually have come a long way, baby. And that's the true story, because we have over the years when we didn't have anything. I was there. Nothing for girls, ladies. I'm so happy to see so many. You can go to college for gymnastics, volleyball, track and field. You name it, and you can still be a woman. Back then, if you were doing that, you were considered strange. You know, so many things have changed now, which I'm so happy for our ladies, black, white, whoever. And I try to encourage all girls, if they enjoy running, you can be all women, and you can still be a gymnast, a runner, volleyball, field hockey, you name it. And enjoy it while you can.
8: Thank you so much. So in my role here, um, now that I've uh, changed the program a little bit, Uh, (laughs) forgive me, uh, Adrian. I have a proclamation here um, from the city of Springfield for you and it reads let be it be known the city of Springfield Massachusetts hereby recognizing Marilyn Bevins whereas Marilyn Bevins born October 4th in Baltimore Maryland is a trailblazer and legendary distance runner who is known for the uh, many achievements most notably becoming the first African American women runner to break three hours in the Boston Marathon. In 1977, Bevin was ranked as one of the top female runners in the world. I'm just going to keep going. A lot of this you've heard. When she approached her high school coach and college teams, she found there were no teams to, to join. However, she persisted in running for herself until Springfield College coach Vern Cox, who was there when I was there, asked her to join a train with the men's team, distance runners, Beyond her running career, Bevins founded Baltimore Sunstrider Track Club. Know those guys. She has been a high school cross-country and track coach in Maryland for over 30 years, earning two All-Metro Coach of the Year awards. Today, the City of Springfield is proud to join Springfield College, Marilyn Bevins' family and friends in celebrating her success and mentoring to the youth. Please join us and wish her good health and continued success. So on behalf of Springfield College, Springfield College alum, congratulations.
7: Good job, good job, good job. Hey Maryland, hold up, hold up, we don't have a lot of time so we gotta keep it moving. So, so we have the Black Unicorn Marathoners we like to come up and, and they have a special presentation for you also.
9: So this presentation is from the Black Unicorn Marathoners, and it reads, Dear Ms. Bevins, on behalf of the Black Unicorn Marathoners, we extend our congratulations and love to you on your induction into the Springfield College Athletic Hall of Fame. You are a groundbreaker and an inspiration to us all. As the first Black American woman to run under three hours in the marathon, time in 2.55.52 in Boston at the 1975 race, attaining three consecutive top 10 finishes at Boston between 1975 and 1977, and your second place finish at the 1977, 81st running of the Boston Marathon. Your legacy as an athlete is undeniable. You continue to serve as an ambassador to the sport of distance running, and through your activities as a coach, educator, mentor, speaker, and track official, you work tirelessly to promote equity in the distance running. We are honored to say thank you for all you do. And again, congratulations with love, respect, and admiration from the Black Unicorn Marathoners.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I had to be very honest with you.
7: Well, and, we got one
3: more thing. Oh, one, more? Not,
7: one more. Not yet. Okay. So, so we'd like to introduce, we have four outstanding women who have formed an honorary team to run the Boston Marathon in honor of Marilyn Bevins. We have Ingrid Walters, Sika Henry, Shawana White, and Alisa Harvey. They are all outstanding athletes in their own rights. They're all sub-three-hour marathoners. Um, Please. I've got to introduce Joanne Flamio, who is, who is a member of the Board of Governors for the Boston Athletic Association. You've already met Keith and then myself. We want to do
10: a special presentation to, to Marilyn. So. On behalf of the Boston Athletic Association, we extend heartfelt congratulations to Marilyn Bevins on being inducted into the Springfield College Athletic Hall of Fame. As a pioneering athlete and determined runner, Marilyn became the first black American woman to run under three hours in the marathon, timing 2:55.52 52 in Boston at the 1975 race. Her three consecutive top 10 finishes at Boston between 1975 and 1977, culminating with a runner-up, placing at the 81st running in 1977 cemented Marilyn's legacy as the world's oldest at the world's oldest annual and most historic marathon. Marilyn continues to serve as a pioneer and ambassador, sharing her time at countless engagements throughout the year. Her induction into the National Black Marathon Association's distance runner Hall of Fame and role in the recently launched documentary Breaking 3 Hours has helped educate and inspire athletes throughout America. We at the Boston Athletic Association are extremely proud to call Marilyn a friend and a Boston Marathoner. On behalf of the BAA Board of Governors and staff, we express our congratulations once again as Marilyn Bevins earns enshrinement within the Springfield Athletic College Hall of Fame. Go Marilyn.
7: Thank you all, and also, all of these women, all five of these women, are part of the National Black Marathoners Association Distance Running Hall of Fame, and the president of the National Black Marathoners is here today, just wanted to know if he wanted to come up and say a few words. There he is, Tony. (laughs) Tony Reed.
6: Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, I just kind of wanted to let all of you know the impact of the documentary, Breaking Three Hours. It took 45 years for 19 African-American women to break three hours in the marathon. 45 years. When we started working on this project, over a two-year period, nine additional ones broke three hours after hearing about the impact of the documentary. So we'd like to thank these ladies for uh, being a part of the documentary, and especially we'd also like to thank Shawana White, because people don't realize she was the one who contacted Ambie Burford, who is the uh, senior editor of Runner's World, and she asked him how many African-American women have ever ever broken three hours in a marathon. Ambi contacted myself and he contacted Gary Corbett, and Gary Corbett did all the legwork and identified all the African-American women who had broken three hours. So a lot of the credit goes to Shawana for asking the question. and to Gary for doing all the legwork, and I especially too like to thank Marilyn for agreeing to be a part of the documentary, because I believe if she hadn't said yes, I'm not sure if anyone else would have agreed to it. So again, thank you Marilyn.